everybody, and welcome to Solid Steps Radio. My name is Chad Russell, and that is Kurt Souter of Further Still Ministries. And this show, Solid Steps Radio, was uh, it began about almost ten years ago now. Uh, about out of the the thought that we wanted to have a show for men, we wanted to have a guy show that is directed towards men and what it is that men think, speak, and how they act. And we're really good at as guys talking about sports, weather, and politics which is totally fine to have those conversations, but we need to talk about the things that matter most, things that matter for eternity. And we believe here the most important thing about you as a man is if you're walking with the man and person of Jesus Christ. And if you are not, then you're not fulfilling your destiny as a man. Um, but that being said, we talk about many different topics. We talk about uh, marriages and relationships and just how to approach the world and, and a lot of testimonies about men and their stories. Well, today's... Today's topic is one of those topics that you will probably, when you hear it, you may go, ah, I don't need to hear that. But if I told you that what we're talking about kills as more men than anybody else in America except cancer, now do I have your attention? That more men in America die, a hundred men a day die from what we're talking about. Now, Depending on what age and a lot of things, you need to perk up and go, okay, if I'm a guy, I need to be here in this conversation. So today we're talking about stewardship of our bodies and health, but we're specifically honing in on a specific called the prostate and prostate cancer. A hundred men a day die from it. So Chad, uh, and also ladies, if you are listening, listen closely because you might be a better listener than your husband. And uh, so we got three guys in here who have all experienced prostate cancer. And so I'm going to introduce you guys, uh, Dr. Jerry Rabelais. Hey, Kurt. Um, great to have you. Good to be here. It's great to have you. Uh, John Fleming. In color. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> dude, you are good. That was good. Yes, and then we got Mike Farbach. Hi, Kurt. Mike, it's great to have you. And uh, so we'll just ask you real quick, Mike, you you experienced recently prostate cancer when? Uh, uh, 21, June of 21, I had surgery. June of 21. And I discovered prostate surgery, I had prostate cancer that was discovered through my normal physical. And when, when were you getting tested like every year? Uh, just through my normal physical, I was. Yeah. And then my nurse practitioner was the one who told me to contact my urologist. So uh, the year before, you got tested. Yep. Nothing. My PSA was below four. We're going to talk about PSA and okay. what is the prostate. We'll get that from the doc here in just a second. But uh, the year before was totally fine. Yep. And then a, 12 months later, all of a sudden, PSA is going up. And she says, you got to get things checked out. That's correct. Okay. Yep. And um, that was in 2021. Yep. Jerry, what about you? Uh, 2016, um, and because of a family history, I'd been screened for about 10 years before my diagnosis at age 61. And my PSA went up. It doubled basically over about an 18-month period of time. But it was less than four. My, my peak PSA was 2.4, but well below the normal threshold. But because it had kind of spiked right the, the rate of rise of the PSA is also a factor to consider not just the absolute number okay so for us dummies um tell us real quickly what in the world is the prostate and uh, not prostrate um prostate yeah prostrate's different <laughs> so the prostate is a gland that sits right below the bladder 
and, and it plays a role in making uh, fluid for uh, the male reproductive system. And um, the PSA is one of the products that's made. It's, a, it's an enzyme. And um, it's normal to have a little bit in your blood because it sort of leaks out of the prostate into your blood. Um, but the PSA has become the standard screening test. It's a blood test. It's readily available. And it measures the concentration of this prostate-specific antigen, PSA, in your blood. Got it. And, okay, so back to you, John. Uh, you were diagnosed when? I was diagnosed in 2006, uh, and it came as a result of my annual physical, which was in January, and I went in for another exam in June, and my doctor called me and said, well, John, there's a, something a little unusual. Your PSA has gone from 2.3 to 3.9, and uh, I think you need to get checked. So I did, and that's when they discovered that I had prostate cancer. Okay, so when you heard the word cancer, what went through your mind? My dad died of prostate cancer in 1998, so I had an uncle who died in 1980 of prostate cancer. So my first thought was, well, I guess you're carrying the ball again. So that was my first thought. And then the second was uh, I, I had a network of friends and which was most valuable to me was one particular one. His name was Tom Shannon, who had prostate cancer. And there's a person who recently died in the community named Bob Adelberg. And I was able to get into the network with them, and they helped navigate me and at the same time comfort me. And the most important thing they said is, John, you've got to find not a good doctor but a great doctor. So I think I did. Mm, you're still here. Here, yes. here you are in living color. That's right. So, uh, oh, um, was did where, where was fear in all of this? I really didn't have any fear, um, and I can't really tell you why. Uh, I just had this feeling that that would be a solution, mm. and I was comforted in knowing that even though your dad died, even though yeah, yeah, I I can't tell you why I. I, I I mean, I've been to Vietnam, so it doesn't get much worse in life than that kind of fear. And I said, well, you know, I'm not going to die today. <laughs> so that was comforting. And then, to be quite honest with you, I had this person named Tom Shannon um, really coach me through it. He's, by the way, a person who invented the chemical toilet. He lives in Louisville, happened to make friends with him. And he had had the surgery, and it was successful. Back then, they call it nerve-sparing surgery. And he was able to say, well, there's some places you can go so that you can still uh, perform that can optimize the opportunity for you to continue to be, quote, a whole man. And so when he opened that particular door, then I had more confidence with him, um, and then I found uh, Dr. McFarlane uh, that I'd done some research here on, and he, he really helped uh, navigate me through it. And as a black man, prostate cancer is almost double from, is that right? Well, that's what I've read. I can't give you the statistics on it, but I would say certainly yes. And again, my dad had it. My Uncle Harry on my mother's side had it. 
Uh, I had mentioned the people that I went to a historically black college, Virginia State, and five of the 11 of us on our line had it. Um, so it's just something that we knew about, and it really doesn't matter until it hits you personally. Um, but, I, I, again, maybe that was a, a factor that um, I, I, I knew it was, it, it, the possibility was there. Yeah. What, uh, Jerry, what about you? And I'll ask you, Mike, in just a second. When you heard the word cancer to you, what went through your mind? Well, it's finally here. Uh, my dad and two of his brothers, like, like John described, had had prostate cancer diagnosed in the early 60s. And so I knew I was at risk. And so what went through my mind was, okay, it's, it's my turn. Um, but I knew a lot about what could be done. And sure, you hear that word and you know that you, your mortality is now put in front of you in a way that you might not have thought about for the next 20 years. And so, yeah, there was some fear. But I also had confidence that it could be dealt with. Mm. What about you, Mike? I was at the doctor's office and I remember Dr. Jackson uh, just said, you have prostate cancer and just kind of right as he said the C word, I, I couldn't hear anymore. Yeah, just because all of a sudden you're just trying to process it all. And because I mean, you're, you're going through life and you, you felt great. Yeah. I, yeah, I felt great the whole time. Yeah. I just didn't, I didn't, you know, the, the test really told me that I had cancer. And so what went through your mind? You know, uh, first of all, my doctor was very tender and it just, you know, I probably had a deer in the headlights look like probably most guys do. And, um, you know, Brooks, I've got a book here. It says a hundred questions about prostate cancer. You know, it's a fifth edition. So one, it gave me that comfort that I'm not the first person to ever get this, that thousands of people get it and get through it. And so this is a book that had just all kinds of answers because, you know, where do you start? Yeah, I start with starting from, you know, point one. Even though a hundred men die every day from prostate cancer, thousands make it. So we're going to take a break and come back. And uh, if this makes you sit up, because I'm 50 this year as, as this airs, and I need to start having these tests and having myself looked at. And, so, and, and Chad, I'm going to follow up on you. Okay. You're not going to do the exam. I'll get somebody else to do it. <laughs> we're going to take a break. Be back shortly here on Solid Steps Radio. Hadley Sign Solutions. Owner Chris Hadley has 35 years experience in design, manufacturing, and the installation of commercial exterior electrical signage. He can help promote your business in Kentucky and Southern Indiana. Call him at 502-419-7228. That's 419-7228. Or you can email him at HadleySignSolutions at gmail.com. That's Hadley Sign Solutions. Dan Hart Financial, if you want to retire or want to talk about retirement, whether you're a year away or 20 years away, Dan Hart can sit down, come up with your plan that you uh, need to have, or talk about your plan that you have in place and see if it's a good fit. Dan Hart Financial. So our first segment, we were talking about a little bit on the history of our guests' prostate health journey in regards to having cancer. Everybody in the, uh, our guests today have had cancer. And so we're talking a little bit more about how that affected their lives and people are in their life. So you shared how you guys personally felt, but Mike, talk to us about Diane. 
Sure. When you go home and say, hey, honey, uh, my doc said I got prostate cancer. How did Diane handle that? Well, we both worked from at home at the time, and I just walked upstairs and told her I, I've got cancer. And immediately she, you know, stood up, hugged me, and I would think we cried a little bit. And, and then just it's like we're going to get through this together. You know, it's very encouraging, very kind, tender. Um, I think for me, the other thing is I'm an encourager by nature. You know, you and I have known each other for 15, 20 years. 23. And, 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 and now it's time that I wanted to ask other people to encourage me. And so I, you know, had several people that I would ask to pray. And uh, through my process, I went to a deacons and elders at our church, and they, they anointed me with oil with Diane and I and, and prayed for me and uh, before my surgery, about a week before my surgery. But I think throughout this whole process, you know, I pray for people all the time on different matters. And, you know, there's a little humble pie, you know, to ask other people to pray for you. Yep. And, but it's very encouraging. And it, it just... Uh, kind of puts us all on a level playing field that there are different seasons we all go through and this happened to be the one I was going through yeah it was wise of you to ask the elders you know we sometimes forget how many times the apostle Paul asked people to pray for him and I haven't looked at it lately but it's a number of uh, several times he asked people to pray for him and I, it's a beautiful thing I, well and 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 Kurt you know Sam Cohen one of the other elders um drove all the way from Indiana to pray for me in Louisville here. And when we were done, he, he handed me a, a note and said, Hey, by the way, would you call a guy named Dan Fox? Dan just got diagnosed with prostate cancer over in Indiana. And he and I become friends because of that. And so he and I were like two weeks away f- between our surgeries. So we were constantly every other day calling each other. Hey, how you feeling? And, and just encouraging each other. And this is really, I think one of the things that I wouldn't tell people is that you're not the first person to get this and that, you, you really can walk aside other people. I probably talked to a dozen people before I made the decision of what specific uh, procedure I wanted to go through. That was very helpful. Mm. And, and that's one of the reasons why we're doing this show on prostate, because you and myself, I mean, a bunch of friends, I mean, I could just rattle them off off the top of my head right now who have had prostate cancer. And I'm like, we've, we've got to talk about this because um, we've we got to be proactive. Which I'm, I'm going to go back to Jerry real quick. Then we'll go back to John. The uh, the critical thing is we need to be tested. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we like at least every year. Yeah, you know the lifetime risk of prostate cancer is eleven percent for men, and it's higher if you're in a higher risk group. So maybe we should articulate who those guys are because especially they have to be tested. So if you have a family history, your dad, like my dad. And two of his brothers, if you've got a family history of prostate cancer, you must be tested, certainly by the time you're 50. Uh, some would recommend even before that, maybe even as early as 45. If you're African-American, you've got to get tested, whether it's a family history or not. If you have a history of multiple types of cancer in your family, uh, that's another reason to get tested. Or especially if you have this very unique genetic abnormality, it's called BRCA. And if you have that in your family, that puts you at higher risk. So there are clearly some guys who just got to get it. And so testing at age 50 is, is the point w- at which you should start thinking about this. And I'd encourage you to talk with your doctor about it and, and work out these decisions in, in terms of how to do it and how often to do it. Generally, annual testing, though, is the way to go. Yeah. Okay, so when you heard the cancer, yeah. you went home to Karen. How did Karen respond? 
Well, at that point, we'd been married for 36 years, and um, she responded just as I expected she would. You know, we both knew this was a possibility because I was being screened every six months because of my dad's history. And, um, and I, I told her, and we were both tearful uh, about it, and, um, and yet accepting of it. Um, you know, she's just an incredibly supportive person, and, and is so good with dealing with sort of crisis like this. And she could comfort me. Uh, beyond the comfort that I already had, just sort of knowing how long would it take, what would happen. This is fixable. It's not like, uh, for me, I knew it was limited to the prostate at that point. So it's not just the PSAs up, but I had biopsies that now proved that's what it was. And the MRI said it's right in the prostate. It hadn't spread beyond that. So I, I knew what was coming. I didn't look forward to it, but I then had to tell the family. And so I've got three kids and, and told them individually, um, two are here in Louisville, one, one's, one's out of town, and told them individually. But they knew, too, that I'd been screened and, and this was just something that dad might get. But nonetheless, the reality of that paper, that biopsy report that you read, and it's my name at the top of it, it makes it pretty real. And so they, they were cheerful, but, you know, we, we could comfort each other and, and they were okay with it. It's like, okay, then let's get this dealt with. What are you going to do? What about you, John? When you told Barbara, when you told your wife? Well, it, it, I, I don't want to diminish the impact, but we've gone through crisis before and this was another one and, so she didn't react dramatically. She just said, well, what are we going to do? And so I said, well, I'm fortunate enough that I do know some people. I do know some doctors. I do know some people within an informal network. She knew my dad had died of, uh, of prostate cancer, and so she knew that I knew a lot about it. Not a lot about it, but there was that element there. So I knew what my job was is to provide her with information. So just don't scare her and and expect her to cry. She's not going to do that. So I was prepared to tell her, yes, I have prostate cancer. That's why the doctor called and not the nurse. Um, and I, this is what it looks like. And But um, we do have some people. I mentioned some names, some people locally. And I just told her that uh, I would begin the process to research who would who would uh, what my options were and who would do the surgery, and then I just kept her updated, and and that in terms of my uh, my daughters, yeah, how do uh, they how do they respond? Pretty much the same way. Again, we have had other crises before, and and in the scheme of things, <laughs> this is uh, I'm not downplaying it. This is not a big deal. Uh, we've had other things to happen that were much more traumatic, uh, and this was called one that really wasn't as big because there was a solution out there. Um, so even though, even though uh, I guess we'll, I'm gonna, we'll jump in, uh, uh, in front here a little bit, you had surgery. Right. And I'm going to ask the doc here to explain. Um, we'll probably get to that in just a minute or maybe in the next segment. But you had surgery. Right. And they removed the prostate. Right. But what happened? Well, the impact, obviously, on her was my ability to perform. It was reduced. Um, there was obviously that period of waiting, if you will, and healing. Uh, 
And, I, and then when we reached that window when there was enough healing, you know, the level of performance uh, was not equal to what it had been. And, uh, but I think with her, she's always been adaptive to change. And, and so she's kind of worked with me. But when, um, and what, what I'm gonna, we're going to unpack that a little bit more with the other guys, but your PSA after the surgery went up. Yes, um, it, it went up, and my doctor said, uh, let's watch it. And so from 2007, for three years, we watched it, but it began to creep. And when it creeped up, my doctor said, we have to do something, which... We ultimately used something back then called Zolodex, and, and it worked. Um, but um, I had a, probably a three-year period where I had to manage the fact that they didn't get all of it. The, there was still cancer in your body, yes, and yes. so they opted for chemo. Right. And how long did you take the chemo? Uh, I had an injection of this chemical called Zolodex uh, once every three months for a year. Uh, and in March of, of 10, I started. March of 11, I had my last injection. And I was at zero uh, in March of 11. We're going to take a break, come back two more segments, talk more about some of the practical and the spiritual aspects of what it is when you get the word C word on your report and, and what, how to handle that. Here we're going to take a break and be back on Solid Step 3. Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. Dr. Eric Veal has been a sponsor of our show since the beginning. If you need your teeth cleaned, overall dental health, Dr. Eric Veal can take care of you. He's got two locations in the Louisville area, one in Iroquois Park area, and then the other in eastern Jefferson County. That's Iroquois Family and Cosmetic Dentistry. And Frank Enterprises, they are a professional septic tank landscaping and wastewater management company. If you have water outside your house that's not going where it's supposed to go, or you have septic tank issues or any landscaping needs, Frank Enterprises can take care of you. Their years of experience will come through and you will be thankful you called them. So first couple seconds we were talking about uh, some of the aspects of after you get prostate cancer what do you do we're going to talk more about that here in a minute but i had a question for dr jerry here on uh in the break i thought this is a question we need to ask is what about the symptoms it seems like this is a very symptomless or very low symptom type cancer talk about what the symptoms could be and uh, how that affects being able to go and get tested to find out if you have it uh, it's a great question, Chad. And, and the, for the three of us in the room, we just checked on the break, and none of us had symptoms uh, before we were diagnosed. So you're right. It's it's very late for you to have symptoms. So if you're waiting for symptoms, and those might be difficulty starting the stream, uh, inability to completely empty your bladder, um, pain would be a pretty rare thing, but it relates to mechanics of being able to empty your bladder. Um, those can happen, but it's very late. And so if you wait for that, it, you, you're, 
you're likely to be too late in, in dealing with this. So symptoms can't be the thing that drive you. And, and many times these symptoms could be a symptom of a urine infection or it's symptoms of some benign prostate enlargement that can happen to all of us as we age. And so those kinds of things are very nonspecific and late. Don't wait for symptoms. Mm. Yes. That's a good word. Okay, so Jerry, uh, John, you mentioned in the last segment, when you had prostate cancer, you had surgery. Jerry, Doc Jerry here, what are the, the options for a man who gets prostate cancer? So the options are driven by your age, uh, the location of the cancer, if it has already spread, uh, if it's spread locally or spread beyond that. But largely think of two categories. You get operated on, or you get radiation. And um, the, the surgery and the radiation are thought to be equally effective in long-term survival and mortality. They have different complication profiles, but, but th- they both work. Um, the, the surgery is in, involves an inpatient hospital operation. Uh, you'll stay anywhere from one to a few days, maybe a week, depending on if there are issues that show up. Um, and the, the radiation can be delivered either locally by implanting little radioactive seeds into the prostate or from an external machine that sort of irradiates the prostate from outside. Those are the two big options. There is a third option, and, and in discussion with your physician and your, your urologist, um, there is a wait-and-watch option depending on uh, the score of the biopsy, and, and the pathologist gives you a certain score for how aggressive the cancer seems. Most prostate cancers are slow-growing and, and don't need immediate, um, uh, maybe urgent but not immediate management. Um, the wait-and-watch option is one that might be uh, relevant, though, especially for the older man. So if, you're, if I was 81 and not 61 when I was diagnosed... Wait and watch might have been an option or radiation might have been an option. I might not have elected surgery. And so a number of factors come into play that you really should talk with your urologist about what's best for me and what, what can I do and in what time frame do I do it? And I got a good friend um, who also, uh, another option that um, is a, a, you know, hyper uh, um, ultrasound but that didn't, you know, that didn't work for him, and I'm not, I, I'm not for sure how, you know, I think that's an up-and-coming thing that's fairly new. But I wanted to kick it back over to John, um, because you, you mentioned as an African-American that the, the, the average black man looks at this a little bit different. Talk to us about that, and, and talk to our black brothers and sisters about this. Uh, the bottom line is to get checked. Be proactive. Um, I come from uh, an old school that, and a part of our culture, your manhood is often defined by your ability to perform. And anything that gets in the way of your defining your ability to perform uh, and to be a man is often a threat or a fear. And either way, I'm just saying get checked. Um, and I was fortunate enough, I came to this community from California, and I worked for a healthcare company, Blue Cross, and the first thing that I learned was to be proactive, and so I changed my whole approach to my health so that I had an annual physical. Back then, I could get a physical twice a year, and I just wanted to 
uh, know what was going on. And I had a doctor uh, that was very proactive. So if anything came up, I would know. If there was any new technology out, I would know about that. Um, But the key thing is I had a level of awareness so that when I was diagnosed with prostate cancer, uh, I didn't have that fear because I knew that there were resources out there and that I could find uh, a solution, which, which I did. You're, you're touching on something. I'd like to just expound on it just a little bit. You know, we, the, the Bible teaches that we have been bought with a price, and that, and that includes our body. It includes our spirit, our soul. We, we, are, we are people who are complex, but we've, we've got one body. That's all we got, one body. And uh, Romans 12 says, present your bodies as living sacrifices. You know, there's a, that we are stewards of this body. And so one of the things that we as men need to do is, as best we can, take care of this body. The Scripture also says that we are temples of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God mysteriously lives in our bodies. And so it's, it makes sense before a God, that we are stewards, that we take care of our bodies as best we can. You have any comments on that, Chad? Well, I think a lot of it is, and John, I'm 49, to be 50 in June, and I was even driving over here. I exercise, I watch what I eat, I don't do it perfect, I'm running a half marathon training coming up. In in April, I'm oh, what are you what are you doing? Half marathon, do many? Okay, oh, any of the boys? Any, a couple any, of them are. Yeah, <laughs> they don't like it, but they're doing oh, it. So, Jalen and Jax. Yes, that's another show. But anyway, <laughs> but my point is, there is a part of me, my pride, my arrogance as a man, as a human being, we all have it, some level of it, that it won't affect me because I exercise, I pray a lot, I love the Lord. And there's those temptations to think it won't touch me, and that's pride. Mike, I, I look over at Mike. Let me tell you, guys, if you look at Mike, you look at Mike, Mike can hit a golf ball about 3,000 miles. <laughs> about 3,000 miles an hour, too. <laughs> I, think, I believe he can hit a softball pretty far, too, right? You're looking at Mike, Mike, you're not going to think Mike's a chump. You're going to look at Mike and go, he, he, you know, he's an athlete. You say I'm a chunk? No, no, he's deaf. Apparently I said, he's not a chump, (laughs) but Mike, you, you're a guy who I look at and say, okay, he takes care of himself and just talk to the guy who's been an athlete and he's thinking to himself, that's not me. I'm not out of shape. You know, we all have said that there's no symptoms to this. Uh, None of us. It's a, it's a matter of, you know, I I was 13 years old. My dad died at the age of 52. And people get different kinds of cancers. This is just one that affects a very large percentage of men. And, you know, about a year ago, I had a chance to talk to about 400 guys at one of our our banquets. And I just said, don't be a sissy. Go get the blood test so you can figure it out. And the reason you want to is you, you have a family. You have maybe future grandchildren in your life. And you want to be around for all those blessings in your life. So don't be afraid of a, a, a little needle prick to, to take a blood test. It's very simple. And, you know... I, I guess the really crazy thing about it is there's so many good doctors and professionals that they've made a living to help people have long lives. John, you referred to that. And, you know, that was one of the takeaways that I got. You know, the doctors, the professionals that I worked with, very caring, you know, and, and uh, 
I'm just very, very grateful for that. I mean, as I hear you, Mike, and your just your gratefulness, those are all every. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from the Father, and you're you're grateful for doctors. Yeah, yeah. I think the other thing too is that you know, I think a lot of times in ministries and just in life. Sometimes our experiences at the, at the time we may see, think that they're negative or bad, but they then can be trainer, you know, they can become a, a benefit to you that you get to help other people through that down the road, paying it forward type thing. A- amen. And I, th- that's what I'm going to ask as we go into the break here in just a second. I want to ask you guys for the next segment, what has God taught you and how has God used you as after you've been diagnosed and after you've been treated? So we're going to take a break, come back, talk more about that here on Solid Steps Rick. Ellen and Credit Union has been around the Louisville, Kentuckyana area for decades. They can help you with every financial need that you have, whether it's personal, commercial, you need a home loan, car loan, Ellen and Credit Union can take care of you and all of your financial needs. Bright Star Home Care, if you have someone that you love and care for that needs in-home care, whether they need one visit a week or they need 24-7 care, Bright Star Home Care is your very first contact to start that process and find out what's best for you and your loved one. We also want to thank podloo.com. That's Louisville Podcast Studios. If you want to do a professional-sounding podcast or videocast, you want to look and sound great, Louisville Podcast Studios is your contact. Go to podlu.com. That's P-O-D-L-O-U.com. So as we come back on our fourth and final segment, uh, we may cover a couple aspects of this segment that may be PG-13, some physiological aspects of this. So folks, if you got little ears around, you can kind of... make the necessary precautions, but uh, we've been talking about prostate health and prostate cancer. We've been talking a lot about the physiological aspects of it, but now nah, we're going to kind of segue until we've talked about some about the spiritual and relational components of it, but there's a much more bigger picture than just a particular organ and a process that our body does. So Dr. Jerry, you know, in, in this whole process of you being diagnosed and having surgery and what, what did God teach you, and what did God teach not just you, but you and Karen, and your relationship? So there's no doubt that there are complications from both surgery and radiation, but especially with surgery, related to uh, your ability to perform, as John has described it. Um, and many men, uh, not most, but many will not have the ability uh, to perform in a way that they may have performed in the past. Um, and um, I want everyone to know, though, that um, performance in the bedroom is not totally contingent on that aspect. And what God has taught me is that I can be, I have become far more attentive to my wife's needs than to mine. And that wasn't true in the past. And as a result, uh, I, I would argue, I would say that Things are better for us, maybe the best they've ever been because of that realization and because of that inability to perform like you historically might have been able to. It, it has widened our relationship in a, in a dramatic way. 
And so I would encourage the listeners that if you're afraid of this ability to perform, that there's a wide range of things that can be as satisfying for you and your partner um, in, in the time after surgery. Don't let that be the reason you don't get checked. Mm, that's good. Mike, what, what did God teach you in this whole process of, from diagnosis till now? Well, I think for starters, the first thing is I feel like Diana and my communications really greatly improved. We've been married almost 34 years. Mm. And, you know, like Jerry, you just said, you, you start, you're running or entering a new season of your life and, uh, and, you know, blessed with 33 years of, of wonderful marriage. And it, it's changed a little bit, you know, and, and the other takeaway, Kurt, is I, I think about maybe a, a soldier or somebody that is in an accident and they may lose a leg or a limb or something where their life's changed. And you know what? Some people down the road say, you know, that was the best thing that ever happened to me because it, it changed my perspective. For me, I've grown in empathy to realize that other people, you know, need attention and need encouragement. And that way they don't feel like they're alone. Uh, I've talked to dozens of guys that have gone through this since my surgery. And uh, it's just really interesting. Knowing you, you don't just talk with these guys, but you pray with these guys and you ministered with them and to them. Yep. Um, right? Yeah. And, 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 you know, people have ministered to us. And I think sometimes, you know, I'm an encourager. And it's one of those things where you have to receive gifts from other people. Because if you don't receive something, then they don't get to exercise their gift. I mean, if it's something as simple as somebody making you a meal during the week of recovery or your friend who calls you every week for a month just to say, hey, how you doing? I was thinking about you. And that way you don't feel like you're on an island. And so that, that, that sensitivity or that awareness of just ministering to people, you know, loving on people. And, uh, and sometimes it's, we do it through when people are going through a surgery. I, I'm, I'm just amazed at how God um, uses tough situations and redeems it. And I, I, I'll never forget, Jerry. I mean, I, I, it probably goes down as one of those things. You, you and I, we, we were having lunch at Mark's Feed Store, and you told me that with, without being able to perform like you did before, your intimacy, sexual intimacy, was better than before. And I'm like, how can this be? Yeah, I, I'm a physician, and I didn't know that before this operation. My surgeon told me, Jerry, you just got to know this doesn't keep you from having satisfaction. That's amazing. John, what, what did God teach you in this whole process? Probably three lessons I've learned from this. One uh, kind of came from a, a motivational speaker I heard years ago who said a fool learns from his mistakes and a wise person learns from others. Mm-hmm. And if there's something I can share <laughs> in my experience. One is to be proactive on your health. Get an exam. Get it annually. Don't play around. Go to the doctor. Let him check everything. That will be number one. Number two, uh, have a support group. Have some Christian friends that are around you that may have been down that road. I was fortunate enough that fraternity brothers I pledged with came to my rescue um, as I said, five of the 11 had already prostate cancer before. So they were invaluable. Plus, I had a person here locally who just opened the doors. I did not know that there was a 
prostate cancer survival support group <laughs> here in town, but there is. Mm. Uh, and, and I think the, the final thing, it made me learn more clearly my wife's love language mm. and how to compensate for it because touch is number one with her. And number five is encouraging words. And I am just the opposite. I am an encourager. <laughs> I knew that. That's the way my wife and I will flip too. We're the opposite. And, and you know, I, I'm not the best when it comes to, you know, the, the touch. But I learned to concentrate more on her and trying to help her feel better. Now, when it comes to performance, I have not succeeded Technology today has really advanced since uh, I had my uh, my surgery. Uh, but again, it's just trying to concentrate more on uh, looking to see how I can make her smile. Mm. Um, so I guess those are the three lessons learned. I, I don't know, Chad, I don't know what you're hearing, but I'm hearing that God has used this in, in the whole dynamic of what Jesus said, follow me, deny yourself, take up your cross daily, and follow him. And I, I hear that all three of you have been awakened to that in a, in a new and in a fresh way. So thank you, guys. Thank you, John Fleming, Mike Farbach, Jerry Rabelais. Thank you guys for coming, sharing your stories, and uh, we rejoice that you guys are healthy. And I'm going to ask Mike Farby if you would uh, pray us out, please. Thanks, guys. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for the gift of marriage. Thank you for the gift of children. Thank you for making us men. And, uh, Lord, even though we've gone through these, these challenges, we're still men. We still have our brides. We still have our children. Thank you for the gift of life. And uh, Heavenly Father, thank you for the relationship you have with us. We love you. Amen. Mm, amen. Well, guys, uh, as Chad leads us, to the, uh, leads us out of here, I, I want to encourage you, go and get checked. Go see a doctor and uh, have the courage to go do that. You know someone, guys, who has run up against this. You know someone. And if you don't, now you know three. So if you want to message us here on the show, Solid Steps Radio, go to Facebook, like our Facebook page, message us. We'll get it. We'll get you in touch with these guys. They said even their wives are willing to talk to your wives about how to walk through this. My wife and I teach a premarital class a few times a year, and our topic is sexual intimacy, which is a really joke when you hear our story about how we got married and all that fun stuff. Another show. But what, one of the things that we come out of that class was we tell these young folks is this. Sex is not do something you do to your spouse. It is something you do with them. And intimacy, if I told you you couldn't use the body part that God gave you, and you now you're connecting that with intimacy. And the reality of it is intimacy is an inside out. And so, guys, you heard three men who said their performance was not based on their physical, but it actually got more intimate and more better with their wives as a result. So hear that and take it to heart. Thanks for listening to Solid Steps Radio. With every step I take